politics, and current events. From the housetops, coming up next. The slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary have produced a Lenten calendar, a pocket-sized Lenten calendar to help you make a profitable 40-day period of prayer, penance, and spiritual exercise in preparation for the proper celebration of Easter. The Lenten discipline consists in three main parts, corporal or external fasting, spiritual or internal fasting, and spiritual change. Corporal or external fasting, including the abstinence from certain foods, drinks, and amusements such as music and parties during Lent, These points of fast should be stressed today, especially with the mania for entertainment besetting our society. Spiritual or internal fasting consists of abstinence from all evil, that is, sin. St. John Chrysostom taught that the value of fasting consists not so much in abstinence from food, but rather in withdrawal from sinful practices. St. Basil the Great explains, Turning away from all wickedness means keeping our tongues in check restraining our anger, suppressing evil desires, and avoiding all gossip, lying, and swearing. To abstain from these things, herein lies the true value of fast. Spiritual change, achieved by the practice of virtues and good works, must be the main objective of our fasting. The fathers of the Church insisted that, during Lent, the faithful attend the Lenten Church services and daily Mass. Through the centuries, our fasting discipline has undergone numerous and radical changes. Today, unfortunately for many, the observance of Lent is but mere formalism, reduced to abstinence on certain days and without any stress on man's spiritual growth or the amending of one's life. We must return to the pristine spirit of the great fast which is so badly needed in our materialistic world. The following are suggested practices which may be added to your usual Lenten family traditions of prayer and sacrifice. Corporal or external practices. Take less of what you like and more of what you dislike at meals today. Take nothing to drink between meals. Do not use any seasoning on your food today. Do not use any sweeteners with your food or drinks today. Take nothing to eat between meals today. Avoid any television or videos today. Instead, read the Passion of Christ in your Bible or in your Missal. Take only one helping of each item at meals today and say an extra rosary. As for the spiritual or internal practices, avoid unnecessary talking. Instead, say little ejaculatory prayers throughout the day. Exercise your patience today in all things. Don't make any complaints today. Refrain any anger, and go out of your way to be kind to the person who caused your anger. Don't be distracted by someone else's business. Avoid gossip. Say an extra rosary to overcome this great fault. When asked to do something extra, do so with a joyful and pleasant attitude today. Speak in a pleasant tone to everyone today. Avoid using the phone today. Tell the truth in all your dealings today. Avoid any vanity or self-seeking today. And additional spiritual practices, practice humility in all your actions. Be generous today. Help someone in need. Look for ways to be helpful throughout the day. Do a necessary job without being asked. Be courageous. Walk away from any impure situations today. 
Don't be idle at all today. Always be doing something for others or for your spiritual growth. Go out of your way to help or talk to a difficult person today. Volunteer for an extra job today. Say an extra rosary today for the conversion of a sinner. Visit someone who is sick or lonesome today. Offer to say the rosary with them. Adopting even just a few of these practices faithfully during the 40 days of Lent will help your spiritual life immensely. If you would like a free copy of the Lenten calendar from the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, call 978-456-8296 and ask for Lenten calendar. Again, that number, 978-456-8296. From the Housetops Radio features the same Catholic doctrine, spirituality, church history, and apologetics published for over 40 years in From the Housetops magazine. This program, dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, promotes her cause in the age-old conflict with the powers of darkness. From the Housetops on WQPH 89.3 FM. From the Liturgical Year by Abbot Garanger. The solemn announcement spoken of by the prophet has been proclaimed in Sion. The solemn fast of Lent, the season of expiation, the approach of the great anniversaries of our redemption is at hand. Let us then arouse ourselves and prepare for the spiritual combat. But in this battling of the spirit against the flesh, we need good armor. What this armor is, we know from St. Paul, who thus describes it, Have your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of justice, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and all things taking the shield of faith, Take unto you the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The very Prince of the Apostles, too, addresses these solemn words to us. Christ, having suffered in the flesh, be ye also armed with the same thought. We have entered upon a long campaign of the warfare spoken of by the Apostles, forty days of battle, forty days of penance. We shall not turn cowards, if our souls can be but impressed with the conviction that the battle and the penance must be gone through. The enemies we have to fight with are of two kinds, internal and external. The first are our passions, the second are the devils. Both were brought on us by pride, and man's pride began when he refused to obey his God. God forgave him his sin, but he punished him. The punishment was death and this was the form of the divine sentence. Thou art dust, and into dust thou shalt return. Genesis 3.19 Oh, that we had remembered this! The recollection of what we are and what we are to be would have checked that haughty rebellion which has so often led us to break the law of God. And if, for the time to come, we would persevere in loyalty to Him, we must humble ourselves, accept the sentence, and look on this present life as a path to the grave. The path may be long or short, but to the tomb it must lead us. Remembering this, we shall see all things in their true light. We shall love that God who has deigned to set his heart on us, notwithstanding our being creatures of death. We shall hate with deepest contrition the insolence and ingratitude wherewith we have spent so many of our few days of life that is in sinning against our Heavenly Father and we shall be not only willing but eager to go through these days of penance which he so mercifully gives us 
for making reparation to his offended justice. This is the motive the Church had in enriching her liturgy with the solemn rite of Ash Wednesday. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, we read of our Lord's admonition for fasting. When you fast, be not as the hypocrites, sad, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not to men to fast, but to thy Father, who is in secret. And thy Father, who seeth in secret, will repay thee. Our Lord would not have us receive the announcement of the great fast as one of sadness and melancholy. The Christian who understands what a dangerous thing it is to sin and to be accountable before divine justice welcomes the season of Lent with joy. It consoles him. He knows that if he be faithful in observing what the Church prescribes, his debt will be less heavy upon him. These penances, these satisfactions, which the indulgence of the Church has rendered so easy, being offered to God unitedly with those of the Savior himself, and being rendered fruitful by that holy fellowship which blends into one common propitiatory sacrifice the good works of all the members of the Church militant, will purify our souls and make them worthy to partake in the grand Easter joy. Let us not, then, be sad because we are to fast. Let us be sad only because we have sinned and made fasting a necessity. We'll be back with more from the housetops after this break. This is Deacon Bob Connor of First Concerned Pregnancy Resource Center, Clinton and Marlboro, and you are listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. On the WQPH 89.3 FM community calendar, a special bit of Lent events at 118 Teresa Street, the old Madonna of the Holy Rosary Church. Of course, they'll still be having the fish fry that they have every year from 4.30 to 7. $12 for a full meal, $5 for either chowder or mac and cheese. But there will also be special religious events at Madonna. It will start Fridays at 9 a.m. to 2.45 p.m. with the Exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. There'll be a Mass at 3 o'clock, followed by the Stations of the Cross at 3.30. And then at 4.30, the meal starts serving. Again, that's all at the Madonna of the Holy Rosary Church, 118 Teresa Street in Fitchburg. Blessed Sacrament, 9 to 2.45, Mass at 3, Stations at 3.30, and then the fish fry from 4.30 to 7, $12 for a full meal, $5 for mac and cheese or chowder. This has been a WQPH 89.3 FM community calendar. In today's reading from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus cautions us to not perform religious deeds for show. Lent is a serious undertaking, requiring a certain hardiness and commitment. Our Lenten vow is like a ticket in hand. The mark on our forehead is a sign of our willingness to repent and follow the Gospels. Putting aside sin is no reason for gloom. We are moving forward by fasting and shedding that which does not bring us closer to Christ. We pray with focus on the will of God. Our lives are constant exercises of faith and charity towards others. We do this not for show, but knowing that we will be repaid with an abundance of joy and drawn closer to our loving Father. Praise the Lord, for He is good to us, leading us forward and bestowing His blessings upon us. This is Michael Gisandi for Divine Mercy Radio out of Melbourne, Florida. 
So we're approaching Lent if we're not already in it. And I'm with Jeannie. What are you thinking about Lent this year? Well, I think Lent is not only about giving up things, but it's about doing things a little bit better. In the past, I've given up things such as gossip, maybe if you're making a habit of being angry lately to try to be less angry, uh, try to practice more to be less stressful, maybe pray more. Those are good things to be doing during Lent. And then perhaps after Lent is over, it translates over into beyond. And some of the things I've given up for Lent are things like food. I've given up just general some practices that I think are no good that I need to practice doing better. All right. So I'm going to be asking you on Easter Sunday, how did your Lent go? Okay. That's a deal. Tim Kilcoyne, WQPH Radio 89.3 FM, offering a practical Lenten reflection, I hope. Think of yourself, body and soul. What should you do for both of them to make it a sacrifice for our Lord so that souls can be redeemed? No pain, no gain. Do something you don't really like to do, like more exercise, better diet, and more prayer time. And also, think about that which is really your weakness. You know, for those busybodies out there, it's time to get to the Abbey. Spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament. For those more laid back, maybe it's time to get to the soup kitchen. Work on your weakness, and the Lord will make you grace someday. Remember, your greatness is in heaven by how many souls you won for Jesus. So we're here with Melissa, and we're talking about our Lenten goals and resolutions. Do you have anything you'd like to share? Yeah, so here at WQPH, we are inviting everyone to consider being a monthly donor. We're looking to at least get two donors, one for each day of Lent is our goal. So 80 donors in total. So whatever you can give every month would be greatly appreciated. And we could add you to our Eternal Life Radio WQPH Guild. So please consider giving, especially during this time of Lent. Thanks for your consideration. Thank you, Melissa. That was so well said. This is Mary Ann, and you know my voice. And really, I need to talk to you about becoming a member of the Eternal Life Radio Guild. Father Trainer once asked us to have 80 members. Needless to say, we're still reaching that goal. Our cell tower bill every month is $1,200. Please, if you are praying and discerning about whether to join as a monthly subscriber, now is the time, this time of Lent. Believe me, you will be rewarded by the good God. You can pay by credit card on a monthly basis or send a check to WQPH Radio, Post Office Box 589, Medford, Mass. Post Office Box 589, Medford, Mass, 02155. We want to thank all the members of the Guild who have been so faithful. Our first member was Julie, a lady from Fitchburg. Julie, we can never forget your dedication. May you be blessed and all those who see the value of Catholic Radio. U.S. Senator Edward J. Markey, Democrat from Massachusetts, has a notorious pro-abortion record that places him among the many so-called Catholic politicians who deny the fundamental right to life of every preborn child. The Catholic Action League of Massachusetts has released a statement that asks, why is the Catholic Church silent about Senator Markey? While attending Biden's State of the Union address in Washington, Markey wore a pin on his suit jacket, which read in capital letters, Abortion. The first letter O on the pin was in the shape of a heart. Could anything be more perverse? 
Markey professes to be Catholic but believes that the killing of helpless human beings is something to be loved. Strangely enough, Markey started out as a state legislator who opposed abortion. Elected to Congress in 1976, he remained an opponent of abortion for his first seven years in the U.S. House of Representatives. What happened? Since his election to the U.S. Senate in 2013, Markey has been pro-abortion in every sense of the term, from removing all restrictions on abortion to public funding of abortion. He is highly praised and endorsed by the Planned Parenthood Action Fund and NARAL, Pro-Choice America. Markey graduated from Malden Catholic High School and was Jesuit trained at Boston College and Boston College Law School. What a pathetic commentary on the collapse, or better, the apostasy, of the so-called Catholic educational institutions that produce pro-abortion politicians. Markey and the many other Catholic in-name-only politicians need our prayers. What will become of someone who places personal ambition before the God-given gift of the true faith? Who squanders his master's talents, preferring instead the passing honors of this short life? We have plenty of reasons to believe that their final judgment will not be the words, Well done, good and faithful servant, but rather, depart from me. According to the Catholic Action League's president, C.J. Doyle, quote, Almost the entire institutional infrastructure of American Catholicism has been lost to the pro-life movement. If the right to life is to be vindicated in American society, the Catholic Church must be reformed. End quote. Lent solemnly opens today. Although we may always, by God's grace, have access to His mercy, we ought to redouble our efforts to make spiritual progress and be animated with unusual confidence now that the anniversary of the Day of Our Redemption is approaching. The Church invites us to devote ourselves to every good work so that we may celebrate with purity of body and mind the incomparable mystery of our Lord's Passion. Each Sunday of Lent offers to our consideration a passage from the Gospel. Today she brings before us the temptation of our Lord in the desert. What light and encouragement there is for us in this instruction. We acknowledge ourselves to be sinners. We are engaged at this very time in doing penance for the sins we have committed. But how was it that we fell into sin? The devil tempted us. We did not reject the temptation. Then we yielded to the suggestion, and the sin was committed. This is the history of our past, and such it would also be for the future, were we not to profit by the lesson given us today by our Redeemer on how to gain victory under temptation. Satan has had his eye upon Jesus. He is troubled at beholding such matchless virtue. The wonderful circumstances of his birth, the shepherds called by angels to his crib, and the Magi guided by the star, the infant's escape from Herod's plot, the testimony rendered to this new prophet by John the Baptist. All these things, which seem so out of keeping with the thirty years spent in obscurity at Nazareth, are a mystery to the infernal serpent and fill him with apprehension. The ineffable mystery of the Incarnation has been accomplished unknown to him. He never once suspects that the humble Virgin Mary is she who was foretold by the prophet Isaiah as having to bring forth the Emmanuel. But he is aware that the time has come, that the last week spoken of to Daniel has begun its course, and that the very pagans are looking towards Judea for a deliverer. 
He is afraid of this Jesus. He resolves to speak with him and elicit from him some expression which will show him whether he be or not the Son of God. He will tempt him to some imperfection or sin, which, should he commit it, will prove that the object of so much fear is, after all, but a mortal man. The enemy of God and men is, of course, disappointed. He approaches Jesus, but all his efforts turn only to his own confusion. Our Redeemer, with all the self-possession and easy majesty of a God-man, repels the attacks of Satan, but he reveals not his heavenly origin. The wicked spirit retires without having made any discovery beyond this, that Jesus is a prophet faithful to God. Later on, when he sees the Son of God treated with contempt, calumniated and persecuted, when he finds that his own attempts to have him put to death are so successful, his pride and his blindness will be at their height, and not till Jesus expires on the cross will he learn that his victim was not merely man, but man and God. Then will he discover how all his plots against Jesus have but served to manifest, in all their beauty, the mercy and justice of God, his mercy because he saved mankind, and his justice because he broke the power of hell forever. These were the designs of divine providence in permitting the wicked spirit to defile, by his presence, the retreat of Jesus, to speak to him, and to lay his hands upon him. But let us attentively consider the triple temptation in all its circumstances, for our Redeemer suffered it only in order that he might instruct and encourage us. We have three enemies to fight against. Our soul has three dangers. For, as the beloved disciple says, all that is in the world is the concupiscence of the flesh and the concupiscence of the eyes and the pride of life. By the first is meant the love of sensual things, which covets whatever is agreeable to the flesh, and, when not curbed, draws the soul into unlawful pleasures. Concupiscence of the eyes expresses the love of goods of this world, such as riches and possessions. These dazzle the eye and then seduce the heart. Pride of life is that confidence in ourselves, which leads us to be vain and presumptuous, and makes us forget that all we have our life and every good gift we have from God. Every one of our sins comes from one of these three sources. Every one of our temptations aims at making us accept the concupiscence of the flesh, or the eyes, or the pride of life. Our Savior then, who would be our model in all things, deigned to subject himself to these three temptations. First of all, Satan tempts him in what regards the flesh. He suggests to him to satisfy the cravings of hunger by working a miracle and changing the stones into bread. If Jesus consents and shows an eagerness in giving this indulgence to his body, the tempter will conclude that he is but a frail mortal, subject to concupiscence like other men. When he tempts us who have inherited evil concupiscence from Adam, his suggestions go further than this. He endeavors to defile the soul by the body. But the sovereign holiness of the incarnate word could never permit Satan to use upon him the power which he has received of tempting man in his outward senses. The lesson, therefore, which the Son of God here gives us is one of temperance. But we know that, for us, temperance is the mother of purity, and that intemperance excites our senses to rebel. The second temptation is to pride, 
Cast thyself down, the angels shall bear thee up in their hands. The enemy is anxious to see if the favors of heaven have produced in Jesus' soul that haughtiness and ungrateful self-confidence which makes the creature forget its divine benefactor. Here also he is foiled. Our Redeemer's humility confounds the pride of the rebel angel. He then makes a last effort. He hopes to gain over by ambition him who has given such proofs of temperance and humility. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and says to him, All these will I give thee, if, falling down, thou wilt adore me. Jesus rejects the wretched offer, and drives from him the seducer, the prince of this world, hereby teaching us that we must despise the riches of the world. But let us observe how it is that our divine model, our Redeemer, overcomes the tempter. Does he hearken to his words? Does he allow the temptation time and give it strength by delay? We did so when we were tempted, and we fell. But our Lord immediately meets each temptation with the shield of God's word. He says, It is written, Not on bread alone doth man live. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, The Lord thy God thou shalt adore, and him only shalt thou serve. This, then, must be our practice for the time to come. Eve brought perdition on herself and on the whole human race because she listened to the serpent. He that plays with temptation is sure to fall. We are now in a season of extraordinary grace. Our hearts are on the watch. Dangerous occasions are removed. Everything that savors of worldliness is laid aside. Our souls, purified by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, are to rise with Christ to a new life. But shall we persevere? All depends upon how we behave under temptation. Here, at the very opening of Lent, the Church gives us this passage of the Holy Gospel, that we may have not only precept, but example. If we be attentive and faithful, the lesson she gives us will produce its fruit, and when we come to the Easter solemnity, we shall have those sure pledges of perseverance, vigilance, prayer, and the never-failing help of divine grace. The mission of Immaculate Heart of Mary School in Still River, Massachusetts, is to preserve the tradition of a solid Catholic education. It has, therefore, a specific duty. That is the complete Catholic formation of its students. All subjects are taught in the light of the Catholic faith. The teaching of sound, traditional Catholic doctrine leads the student to the development of a true conscience. The goal is for each student to understand the faith and to come to live knowingly as a child of God. The Immaculate Heart of Mary school spans grades 1 through 12 and is accepting applications for the coming school year. For more information, visit us at www.saintbenedict.com. The Mother of God begged the children of Fatima to pray, pray a great deal and make sacrifices for sinners. For many souls go to hell because they have no one to sacrifice and pray for them. Before Our Lady appeared at Fatima, an angel taught the children to pray, My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon of you for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. 
From the Housetops is a Catholic periodical dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Each issue of From the Housetops offers the priceless truth and wisdom of the Catholic faith through inspirational lives of the saints and timeless treasures of Catholic doctrine. To get subscription information, back issues, and a free copy, go to saintbenedict.com and look for From the Housetops. From the Housetops is produced by the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Still River, Massachusetts.